Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to another week as we try to do church like in a new and different way. You know, over the last several weeks, I've had the same phrase come at me a bunch of different times. It feels like the world's just changed. And it's always followed by the same question. Do you think things will ever go back to normal? Do you think they'll be the same? And we're talking about school and the economy. We're talking about jobs. We're talking about sports, all kinds of things. Like today, I'm going to be teaching from inside of a, an empty restaurant that normally is filled with people like doing normal life. But normal life as we know it, it's kind of on hold for a while, or maybe for more than a while. And what we're facing is unknown, right? And it's uncertain. And unknown and uncertain always lead to something else, and that's fear and panic. You know, one of the things the past few weeks have shown me is something that never seems to change, and it's this. When the unexpected happens, too often our, my first response is fear and panic, right? Like, oh no, I wasn't ready for this. I didn't see this coming. And then we react, fear and panic. Like we, we see it every winter, like when the news comes on and says a winter storm is on its way, right? A, 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 a snow Armageddon or something like that, batting down the hatches, it's gonna be bad. And then we all run to the grocery store and stock up on everything we've been meaning to stock up on, but now we kind of have to. Right? This coronavirus threat has like done that on steroids, right? Long lines at grocery stores, empty shelves, canned goods gone, hand sanitizer, like worth its weight in gold, and good luck finding toilet paper. Which again, people, I don't understand. It's not that kind of flu, right? It attacks your lungs, not your butt. File that away. I mean, it's really crazy. My friend Jake, who lives out in Vegas, told me of a Costco truck driver who was held up at gunpoint just trying to unload his cargo outside of the store. I mean, it's nuts out there. Okay, true, like, dirty confession time. Uh, a few months ago, and maybe because I had some premonition something was going to happen, I, I binge-watched or maybe re-binge-watched because I've watched it before, that, that show Doomsday Preppers, which is a series of documentaries about Americans who are convinced that an event is going to happen and it's going to change life as we know it. Everything from political and economic collapse uh, to a pandemic across the earth to things as crazy as a meteor hitting the earth or, or the poles reversing, and then everything uh, turns to chaos. So to be ready for it, they're prepping. They're hoarding up food reserves and weapons and living in underground bunkers. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. you. You watch it and like 95% of it is like bat crap crazy, right? But I'll also be honest with you. I'm sitting in my living room and after about three episodes, I find myself thinking that could actually happen. And in the last couple of days, I'm kicking myself for not stocking up on more canned goods and toilet paper and ammo, right? I wish I had the words to say, yeah, sure, everything is going to be back to normal soon. Just relax. But who knows, what, right? Who knows what the future looks like? So, so what are we supposed to do, right? Do we hoard supplies and lo lock ourselves in our houses in fear and take on kind of the mindset of screw my neighbor, it's every man for himself? That's what some people are doing. Or, or just blow the whole thing off and downplay what's going on. It's no big deal. It's just the flu. Everybody's overreacting. And ignore the, the, the reality that there are a lot of people that are scared and hurting in our world. What, what's the right response? I don't know where you stand on the whole faith thing, the believing God spectrum, but I do think that we would all agree on this, even if it's just on a hypothetical basis, that if there's a God, and if that God is anything like the Jesus we see portrayed in, like in the pages of the Bible, that we'd also believe that people who claim to follow him, believe in him, would have a better response to the chaos that's going on around us, right? I think if we believe that God is good, and, and if we believe that God loves us, and if we believe that God wants good for us, then we also have to believe that even when life is crazy and scary and makes no sense, um, 
there, there doesn't seem to be any like, solution to what's coming or on the way. Uh, what's going on in our world was certainly qualified for that. But in the middle of all that, we'd have to believe that God is somehow, in some way, in this with us. See, see the, the truth is, the reality is, when, when life is easy and going great, you don't need a lot of faith, right? Like, like when life is, is going great, when the money is like coming in on a regular basis, when you can pay your bills, when your 401k is doing great like it's been doing over the last couple of years, when, when everyone in your family is healthy and you're making plans for vacations and weddings and, and going to ball games and going to prom and, and everything is rolling like it's supposed to roll, you don't, you don't need a lot of faith. Yeah, of course God is good. Look at my life. I, I guess I have faith. I never thought about it. But what are we going to do when all that gets stripped away? And I'm not just talking about our jobs and our income. More than that, for, for a lot of us, some of that, our identity, right, our purpose, our reason for getting out of bed in the morning, it just seems to be gone. What do we do in the possibility of venturing out to the grocery store or touching the wrong, like, door handle or rubbing up against the wrong person at Walmart might lead to contracting or spreading a virus that could end ours or, or somebody that we care about could end their life? See, that's the reality that a lot of us are dealing with every day. It's the new normal, right? Where, where does faith come in in times like, like, like this? And, and I, would, I would say this. It is in times like this that faith becomes more important than ever. Uh, I would say it is four times like this that we have to hold on to faith. See, see let, let me explain, because there's a lot of, I, I say faith, a lot of different things go through our head. See, faith is not some like secret formula that if you have enough of it or you have the right kind of faith or if you like perform some religious faith code, right? If I do it this way this many times, if I go to church, say this many prayers, give some money, do the hokey pokey, I don't know, right? But if I do it the right way, that God will somehow put some magic Jesus bubble around me and, and keep the boogeyman away or guarantee that I'll always have a job and income and health and, and he'll make all my wishes come true. That's not in the Bible. See, this is faith. Faith is absolute confidence that in spite of my circumstances, right, in spite of what's going on around me, that even in the chaos, Jesus is who he says he is, and he'll still keep every promise that he has ever made to you. There, there's this one chapter in the Bible, and I'm going to get to it, and sometimes it's, it's referred to as the faith chapter of the Bible. It, it's in a book of the Bible called the book of Hebrews. It's almost at the end of the whole Bible. But if you read through it, it's in Hebrews chapter 11, there's this long list of people who went through everything from floods to persecutions uh, to wars. Some were executed. They lost their jobs. They lost their life. They lost their health. They lost their families. Um, they lost everything that a normal person counts on to live a normal life. It all got stripped away from them like that. And the only thing they had left to hold on to was this. I still believe. I still believe that God is who he says he is. And I still believe God will keep his promise to me, even though I hate my life right now, even though I don't understand what's happening to me now, or I don't know how or, or when God is going to keep his promise. I'm just holding on to, I have the kind of God that says he will, and I believe in him. Okay, and, and then right after that long list of people who have said, all I got is, I just got to hold on to my faith, Hebrews chapter 12 starts this way. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that whole list of people who said, I've lost everything, I'm holding on to God, says if we're surrounded by them, let us throw off everything that hinders, like everything that's holding us back, and the sin that so easily entangles, all that stuff that just trips us up over and over, and let us run with perseverance 
the race, talking about life, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer. So it says, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Which just remember, don't forget, remember him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, apparently, the key to not growing weary, to not giving up, to not losing heart and, and, and losing hope comes down to one thing. I have to remember, I have to fix my eyes on Jesus. I have to remember the promise he made to me on the cross. So well, what, what was that promise? Well, again, we're in this series called Famous Last Words. You can find that promise in the, the last thing Jesus said before he died. In, in, in John chapter 19, uh, we, we find those words. Uh, and I, I just think that this, it gets right to it. John chapter 19, it, it says this, is that later, and I'm just going to pick a couple of things apart here. Later, knowing that all was completed, everything had been finished, everything had been accomplished, then the next verse says, after everything had been accomplished, Jesus said, it is finished. Last words, it's done. And with that, he bowed his head and, and he gave up his spirit. You got to catch that. See, Jesus knew that everything that needed to be done for us had now been done. And so he declared, it's done. It is finished. It's completed. Everything's ready. Everything is now in place. In place for what? For a new reality. A, a new reality that is available to anyone, anybody who, who just trusts him, right? Just a little bit. He says, if you just trust me, nothing, nothing in this life, nothing that happens will be able to, to cut you off from God's love and, and God's presence in your life. No matter what, you'll never face anything in this life again, alone. You'll never face anything again Alone. Notice he didn't promise that you won't have to face hard stuff. He actually promised in another place, I promise you will. You will have to face hard stuff, even if you have great faith, sometimes because you have great faith. So there's this one time Jesus has been teaching his disciples, and just a, like a few verses after this, he gets nailed to a cross, so he knows what he's talking about. But Jesus had just painted a picture of a time when everybody then, and maybe looking even to, to us today, a time is coming when we're going to be scattered and, and it literally says, and, and locked in our own homes. And people will wonder, where's God in the middle of all this chaos? And then he asked, now do you believe in me? Do you still believe in me now? And then he gave him this promise. It's John chapter 16. He says this. He says, I have told you these things, that you're going to be scattered and that, you, that the world's going to get really, really, you know, like messed up, but I told you these things so that in me, in Jesus, he says, you may have peace, shalom. You won't fall apart. And then here's the promise. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have problems. You will have loss. You will have war. You will have disease. You will be persecuted. Your, your money will just disappear one day. And some of us, we're gonna die, right? In this world, we will have trouble. And then here's the second promise. But take heart. I win, I overcome the world. See, see, Jesus promises that one, 
Hard times will come. And then he follows it with another promise. But don't give up. Don't lose heart. You don't have to be afraid. I win. I overcome the world. And anything that this world throws at you, I promise, I'm with you. Did you know, I think that, I think it's the number one, but if it's not the number one, it's one of the most repeated phrases in the Bible, is some form of this phrase, do not be afraid. Somebody counted it up. I haven't done it. Somebody counted it up and said it's in there. Some form of do not be afraid is in there 366 times. One for every day of the year, and this is leap year, so we even got that one covered, right? So, so for, for that phrase to be in there that many times, I mean, it, it's like God knew there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in your life every day where the natural response is going to be fear and panic. And, and what's the answer to that, that fear? And it's always the same thing. We've got to remember, we've got to remember, we've got to remember. We've got to keep our eyes, we've got to hold on to Jesus as we walk through the fear. See, I, I, I can't promise you. I wish I could. I, I can't promise you that this pandemic is going away anytime soon. I, I can't promise you that your job or your finances or your school or your retirement plans are going to recover, uh, especially if you just do something different. I, I, I can't promise you anything. I can pass on a promise from Jesus. It goes like this. It's found in the book of Romans chapter 8. It's so good. And I, I would even say throughout this week, you might want to just read this over and over and over. Romans 8 says this, um, and we know that in all things, not just good things, all things, and what we're going through right now would qualify as one of those things. We know that in all things, God is at work for the good of those who love him. That'd be us, who've been called according to his purpose. He's, he wants to use us in, in, this, in this chaos. Now, let's skip down a little bit. What then shall we say in response to this? Like, if that's true. If God is for us, who can be against us? He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will God not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? See, it's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Like right now, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or a sword, will those separate us? I mean, it's written, for your sake we face death all day long and we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he answers his own question. No, no, we're not sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, that whole list of things, we are more, more than conquerors, not on our own, but more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. He promises that. And, and why should we trust Jesus to keep his promise? And it all boils down to this, because on a cross 2,000 years ago, two weeks from now, we're gonna celebrate that resurrection on Easter, right? But on that cross, he finished. It is finished. He finished everything that needed to be done so that with, 
just a little bit of faith, and I'm not saying it's years of faith or Bible verses full of faith. It's just a little bit of faith, a little bit of trust in him. He promises nothing, nothing will be able to separate you from him. Nothing in this world. So I, I, let me land this. I, I, I want to I wanna ask the band to close with a song, and yes, it's a country song because I'm a Christian, right? But, um, but even if you don't like the you know, country music style, here's what I'm going to ask. Will you, just, will you listen to the words? Because I, I think if you listen to the words of this song, and just think about it, if you look back over your life, the last few years, maybe decades, and remember, really remember, and then more importantly, as you walk into these coming weeks and months of your life, if we can remember these truths, we can have peace. <laughs>